you have to know yourself first and you have to be able to verbally articulate it so that you can actually give something to your partner but can't get mad at them if you can't even articulate your own needs and relationships and, and your own needs uh, on the court. So we're going to force people here using this uh, betterbeach.com forward slash partner profile. This series of questions will help you lock in those answers so that you can be a better partner and a better player. There's no partnership that shouldn't go through this or player that shouldn't go through this. Like, I think it's always funny when, when I talk about you and I, we've known each other now for over 15 years. And I think the first time that we, I, I know when I moved out to California, you and I were practicing a decent amount together. And even you and I had to have this conversation of like, Hey, I perform a little bit better when you do this for me. Or it puts me in a weird emotion when you respond this way to an error or certain conversations like that. It's difficult, especially most of the time when we're communicating on the court, a lot of people can take it as complaining. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're scared to do it because they don't want to seem like they're complaining too much because nobody likes a complainer. But it's important because you're helping yourself be the best version of yourself kind of goes, like you were saying, on or off the court. Being able to have those conversations being able to let that person know how you kind of work best. And it happens with someone that you've known that you consider best friend, family, whatever. Uh, we even had to have that conversation. So if you're wondering if like, oh, I don't know if this is for us. If Mark and I had to do it, you should have to do it too. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Better at Beach podcast, where we talk about everything that helps you get better at beach volleyball. Today, we are going to talk all about everything you have to answer before you play a tournament with your partner. People, coaches, players don't talk about these things enough. They don't talk about how important these conversations are when you are just about to play with somebody or you're about to practice with them or you're getting into a tournament for the first time, there's a series of questions that you absolutely have to answer and you have to know the answers to just to play with them. And that'll help you match up and be competitive during the tournament, during the practice. It'll make things much clearer for you so that you can compete better and you'll be a more effective team. So again, this is the Better at Beach podcast. My name is Mark Burke, and as always, my co-host, Brandon Joyner. Brandon, what's going on? Good morning. Happy to be back. I like the uh, the partnership talk. I, I think a lot of times we, we get so bogged down on who we are as players that we forget. We have someone on the other side of the net that wants to help us. <laughs> and uh, these conversations are definitely important because not only does it allow, well, a lot of the times we haven't answered these questions ourselves as players. We haven't even thought about the partnership aspect. So I'm excited to go through these questions and help some people understand the type of players that they are and the type of player that they're looking for to play with. Definitely more important than, you know, I know I've been on a, a lot of teams at this point in my life. And especially in the world of beach volleyball, you play with a different person all the time. So being able to walk onto the court for the first time and let that person know, hey, this is what helps me be a better player. I'm here to help you be a better player. And it just starts a conversation and the partnership off on a good spot. So excited to go through it. For those coaches out there that are listening, about to listen, this is a tool that we have absolutely developed for you. This is one of those tools that we've developed for coaches, I think, even more so 
than players where you can take this quiz and if you go ahead there's an easy way to find it all you got to go to is better at beach.com forward slash partner profile and we have this assessment written out for you and then once you fill out those questions you get them emailed you have a printout for yourself but to give to your players so that they can start asking themselves the important and the good question that's what we're looking for and i will be 100 percent honest i took a lot of these questions when uh, i was going through marriage counseling and diving heavy into like how to be a good husband uh books a lot of these questions came up and i know that i was supposed to be you know focused on janelle and how to create a better relationship but my mind kept going to huh this is going to make me a better player this is going to make me a better beach volleyball partner it's going to make me a better coach because all of these kind of relationship and detailed questions that you should answer, most of the time, you don't know them. You, you don't lock yourself in to knowing exactly what you need out of your partner and knowing like what you actually hate and why you hate it or what you love and why you love it. And it, if you're in a relationship, either inside or outside volleyball, you have to know yourself first. And you have to be able to verbally articulate it so that you can actually give something to your partner, but can't get mad at them if you can't even articulate your own needs and relationships and, and your own needs uh, on the court. So we're going to force people here using this uh, betterbeach.com forward slash partner profile. This series of questions will help you lock in those answers so that you can be a better partner and a better player there's no partnership that shouldn't go through this uh or player that shouldn't go through this like i think it's always funny when when i talk about you and i we've known each other now for over 15 years and i think the first time that we i, I know when i moved out to california you and i were practicing a decent amount together and even you and i had to have this conversation of like hey i perform a little bit better when you do this for me or it puts me in a weird emotion when you respond this way to an error or certain conversations like that. It's difficult, especially most of the time when we're communicating on the court, a lot of people can take it as complaining. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're scared to do it because they don't want to seem like they're complaining too much because nobody likes a complainer. But it's important because you're helping yourself be the best version of yourself kind of goes, like you were saying, on or off the court. Being able to have those conversations being able to let that person know how you kind of work best. And it happens with someone that you've known that you consider best friend, family, whatever. Uh, we even had to have that conversation. So if you're wondering if like, oh, I don't know if this is for us. If Mark and I had to do it, you should have to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of like kind of gossip words that, that we're probably going to skip over. At the time of recording, we are, I think, two days away from hearing the list of cities the AVP. Yeah. We don't want to get into it for a long time here. I'd like to get into these partner questions, but I'm excited and worried. I have very admittedly been disappointed a lot by the, the pro tours, and I know that I haven't uh, done my part to attempt to start a pro tour. I haven't sat in on the meeting saying, this is how we're going to do it, and I hate people that complain and don't do anything about it. We're growing our own thing here, but what I do hope for the future of volleyball is that when I looked at at the prize money from previous years. And I said, okay, mm -hmm. if one team finished first and then one team finished second and then two teams finished third in every single tournament, who would at least make minimum wage? And the bronze medal winning teams, if 
you finish third every tournament, you get minimum wage. Everybody else is far below that. So there's an entire mm-hmm. league, entire segment of that. And, you know, yeah, okay, there are two or three teams that are finishing first through third every time, and they get a full-time wage. Not a good living, mm-hmm. unless, of course, you're going to then world tours and you're getting those high finishes then. And you can work your way and get sponsorships, which I guess is part of the full-time hours that an athlete's going to put in. You should focus on winning first. You should focus on building your own things first, developing your audience first, instead of all these young players who the first thing they do is try to get their, their pair of board shorts paid for. And now you spent eight hours trying to get board shorts paid for. You just valued yourself at less than minimum wage. Instead of building your own thing, like why not start talking to some factories and, and some American factories and say, I want to develop my own line of board shorts. Yeah, something like that. I'm almost ready to be disappointed, but I am excited because maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's going to be enough tournament options where more than six players can make a full-time wage that's what i'm hoping for and there's supposed to be a lot of tournaments listed i think there's supposed to be 30 tournaments listed and i can pretty much guarantee that they're not all going to be big money then mm-hmm. flying to a bunch of the lower tier tournaments is going to be shall we say break even if you win first so i don't know i just kind of wanted to air it out and maybe you know, people start talking in the comments but i'm excited but i'm not too excited. I'm not getting my hopes up because uh, all of the advertisements from the AVP, they said more locations, more tournaments. I did not see more money in their marketing. It's always hard because that I think that that money aspect, that's always been what's been the build or fall of the ABP, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's weird. I feel like we're in a weird spot in the sport where it's growing so fast in certain aspects across the country, across the world. But all of a sudden, these pro stops, whether you're talking about the FIVB new format, which has a lot of interesting feedback on from the players. Uh, yeah. And or the AVP, where it's kind of just been surviving for the last couple of years. You know, it, it's just weird to see a sport grow so quickly and so fast and so stable. And then the professional side of it is just kind of non-existent. Or it's not showing growth. Yeah, I, it makes I way I, more sense for somebody to develop a club than it does for them to pursue a plane. Right. Like way yeah. more sense. Yeah, it stinks because it, unless the money can be matched, and and, I, and hopefully Bally's is on to something and they're figuring something out as far as more stops. Maybe that means more television, more, more marketing, more vis- visibility. That's what I'm hoping for. But the professional side of a sport can't be considered a hobby. And it is by so many people. The, the large percentage of people that play on the AVP, it is just a hobby. And, that, and that's including some of the players that are in the top or in the main draw automatically. So yeah, it's, it's just tough. But I, I'm I'm uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm staying positive. I think yeah. that they're going to come through and uh, we're going to be pretty happy. So, and regardless of the fact that we haven't had tournaments in the past couple years, I know that a lot of people are excited to be training full time again. People are excited to travel. People are excited to just go to these tournaments, and that's why I play the sport. I love those tournaments. <laughs> They're oh, yeah. so much fun. So yeah, uh, we're going to get out good. to a lot of them. You'll see our tents out there yeah. and uh, get that going. Let's get back to evergreen content, shall we? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Question one, right? Question one that you need to answer. And that's a really good tie-in to our int- the end of our introduction. When you're talking to your partner, when you're talking to your players, 
first question is, what is your reason for being here at this practice or tournament? And this takes a lot of diving in, like deeper, deeper, deeper. You should ask yourself deeper probably three times mm -hmm. before you finish answering this question. But for some of us, it's to compete. For some of us, you know, it's to, to get the letterman jacket, you know, in high school. For some of us, it's to exercise. Mm -hmm. I know that the way that I compete and the way that uh, my wife, Janelle, wants to play volleyball, extremely different pace. And, you know, when I play with her co-ed, I have to be on her page. This is only about fun. We're not trying to win, compete. We're just trying to do well and have fun. Because mm -hmm. if I'm sitting there and I'm trying to win every point as hard as I can, and she just wants to enjoy herself and enjoy her time with me, we're going to be that, button heads. That marriage isn't going to last too long. Hey. I'm just kidding. It will. <laughs> I've seen you guys play co-ed. It's extremely fun to watch. For everyday tournaments too, for everybody who's out there playing A, playing a double A, even open, some people just want to be there to play, laugh a little bit, get exercise get fitness you know and some people are there to win to learn some people are there because they hate the rest of their life <laughs> you know that they're, this yeah, they're is looking for an outlet escape. yeah and you have yeah. to recognize that if you're a great mm -hmm. coach if you're a great partner you have to be tuned into that so that you can help your partner be that version of themselves on the court yeah and i, I think especially that last part uh understanding what your training group is like you know, because especially here in Hermosa, where we have these classes, there is a mix. We have a competitive class for men and women. And there is even within that class, the skill level isn't isn't too big is in change, meaning they're mm -hmm. all the same players. But some players are just out there to get their morning going get that morning sweat, work out the kinks so they feel good throughout the day. Uh, some people are there because they want to get a certain rating throughout the summer. And some of them are very focused on playing in tournaments, you know. So it's it's just being able to answer that question and understand what your group is like is huge because it can mess with your mindset a lot. If you're that very serious person that is training for tournaments and you get teamed up with somebody at a, at a training session, that's consistent, but he's there or she's there for a little bit more fun, then that can definitely affect your mood. So, but if you can understand why that person's there next to you and then match it with what you're doing, then that's where growth happens. Yeah. I think anecdotally, my most successful partnership in terms of finishes and what we did and the amount of time we stayed together with Kurt Topple. And Kurt is an unbelievable freak athlete. I mean, in his mm -hmm. prime, 6'9", close to 39 inches, maybe 40, maybe hitting that 40-inch vertical, All-American four times in a row. The guy who was leading us, Matt Davis, an old Virginia buddy, he said, you have to understand this about Kurt. He is out there to have fun. And if he starts smelling that it's kind of like hard, hard, responsible work or that it's going to take away from his entrepreneurial uh, and money-making endeavors, he's going to drop it. This yeah. needs to be a fun endeavor. For so I had to change my whole attitude during practice with him from my hardcore base. You have to go. You have to dive for everything. You have to you know, um, treat this as a, as a job too. Mm -hmm. I need to let my partner giggle and chat and chat all, <laughs> all warm up and all practice long like he knows what it is to be a high level athlete so he does do all the diving and everything but he wants to have fun so i can't let it bug me when i'm going through my warm-up and getting out of breath and he's literally telling his best jokes that he found online last you know but that balance it, it would have ruined it had i not known what he was there for 
and we wouldn't have lasted as long as we did. And mm -hmm. uh, knowing that that's what he needed and he knew what I needed. He knew what I was there for. You know, I, he didn't have to give me jokes. I didn't have to give him jokes. I just needed to let him have his time to work hard. And he allowed me to work hard. I need to allow his him his time to joke and to laugh and to socialize. Right. You can be yourself and you can allow your partner to be yourself, but you both have to acknowledge it. And that's what that first question is all about. It's on our, it's a questionnaire on betterpeach.com forward slash partner profile. It's the very first question. What is your reason for being here at this practice or term? And as a coach, when you know that reason, you can help lead your players better yeah and players you need to make sure that your coaches know that as well that's something that we've we've been talking a lot about at our, at our camps recently is when you get to a, co a coach be okay with letting them know like hey I, li I like the feedback you're giving me but let me work for a little bit you know mm -hmm. th they need to understand how you learn what makes you go what makes you stop all those things that's so it's an open open communication question two question two uh what is the best thing to do to fire you up at the start of practice or a match this yeah. goes along with that reasoning some people like to get hit in the chest you know just start slapping my chest i actually <laughs> my indoor team in oslo through a slap fest and everybody got to play chicken <laughs> just slapping each other across the face <laughs> and it was a pro team there was like one drop of blood which got a little crazy and i was like okay are we all ready to go out there but we came out of that locker room with the highest energy that we ever have now am i saying that everybody needs to slap each other uh, before playing volleyball no but that team and a 15 and under team that I coached in Brooklyn love the slap game. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> Any chance um, I have to, to hit someone. <laughs> oh, then they just started like, it's probably, literally probably not, not approved of if you're, if you're a club coach or a high school, middle school not coach or, or a coach of kids in general, or even adults, it's probably not okay to say that you should slap. We do not condone the slapping of players. <laughs> Thanks, HR. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but you know, there are different things. Like we, we talked about like Kurt, he, he wanted just to stay loose. That was his mm -hmm. thing. We played with, uh, Sean Powell, who was an all American in, in college or I, I played with him and then he left that year. But before yeah. the game, he hid himself in a towel, you know, in his own darkness. And he stayed there for three to four minutes. You know, he got in his zone. Now somebody walks over and they start interrupting your zone when you're trying to visualize that's going to be a problem for somebody who likes to visualize in silence. So you have to know for yourself when you're starting a practice, what really gets you going? Do you play well, lit up, fired up, excited? You play well calm. Is it game planning? Is the idea of strategizing before you do that or talking about what you're about to do? Does that get you going? Some people, they hate that part. They mm -hmm. hate talking about what we're about to do. Usually those people are a little too inexperienced because talking about what you're about to do is uncomfortable because it requires using those brain calories instead of just right. going out there and swinging. Thinking is hard. <laughs> yeah, for but sure. If you're going to get to the next level, ideally you are having some form of plan or strategy as you go through your game. So, uh, mm -hmm. Brandon, what's the best thing to fire you up at the start? Of you know, I, uh, I, I'm one of those, uh, lighthearted, you know, I, I want to feel happy. I want to feel the rhythm of the DJ playing really good music. I want to start feeling my head bobbing before I even realize it. And I want to start kind of getting the crowd involved. 
a little bit. Mm. You know, if I can kind of lighten myself up and take in energy from the crowd, take in energy from the DJ, whatever, if we have one or someone's just using a speaker, especially at practice when we just play music. Yeah, I just I like to feel like I'm grateful to be there and excited to kind of get to show my work and uh, then also just get to be a part of the sport. Would you uh, say that, that the music is an, would you say that music is an important part of your warm up? Cause you said DJ, like that was one thing that I picked yeah, up on that I heard. I definitely like, I'm thinking about a game past summer in uh, Seaside and their Seaside is an amazing tournament. It's kind of, there's no stands. They kind of build up sand berms and stuff like that, but there's people around every single court. So we were on one of the outside courts and somebody happened to be walking by and we had a pretty big, pretty big crowd. And this guy was just carrying like a backpack speaker that was like the size of him. And he happened to sit down right next to our court and he was playing amazing music for the warm up. stayed for the entire match, was just blasting amazing music. And after the game was done, I gave a high five to Jake, my partner. I gave a high five to the other two guys on the other side of the net. And he was the next person I walked over to. And I was nice. just like, thank you so much for playing that music. You have no you have no idea how much energy that brought me. And it was probably one of my best matches of the summer. So, yeah, I think that that music energy and kind of getting to a little vibe definitely helps me a lot. For a lot of people, their music, statistically between 120 and 160 beats per minute in terms of music, but the music that you enjoy it actually increases your athletic output for a lot of people. Not for everybody, but statistically, it's true. So if you're thinking, hey, I need to have a good practice today. Hey, I need to have a, a great match. Maybe music is your thing before you do it. And that should be a part of your preparation. Figure out how you can get some some ear pods. Uh, figure out how you can get some some music in your life during that match. For me, it's it's usually it's a little bit of game planning and mm -hmm. then and then it's picking a fight. I don't know why, but I, I play better when I'm a little bit angry, not out of control angry. And when I think somebody's trying to take something from me. I like that it's us against them mentality. And yeah. that gets me excited. And so if somebody's a little bit too light or they're like, yeah, let's just go have fun. I don't really like that. Yeah. No, it, I would say once that first surf comes, things definitely start to become personal for me. But leading up to that first point, yeah, I'm getting in my own zone that way. Okay. Next question that everybody should answer for their partners. Be able to tell your partner this. Be able to tell your coaches and coaches, you have to know this about your players. Next question is... What is the best pick-me-up? What's the best thing to do for you when you're in a slump or you've had a string of errors? We all do it. We all get blocked twice in a row and then hit the next <laughs> ball out of bounds. But how do you get me out of that? And this this is one of those that definitely requires a lot of thinking because you got to go back to past performances and think about what you don't like and what you do like and what you need in that moment. For me, this is something that I've focused on a lot in the past. I've realized that my partners are there to help me, you know? So if I get into a slump, I one of the things that has helped me out in the past is I love it when partners come up to me with the ability to encourage me while also offering help, you know? Say, hey, let's get this pass. You got this pass. Look for me to be an option. If not, I'm giving you a perfect set. We got this. You know, something along those lines where not only are, it's not, hey, you, you can do this. It's, Hey, we got this. Let's make a good pass. Let's figure out a way to make a good play. If you if you want to give me an option, we can do that. If not, let's get a perfect pass set and then we'll we'll side out. But I think the conversation, as long as I hear something that's talking about a we instead mm -hmm. of a you, that calms me down a little bit. 
And then also I can get in my own head a lot. You know, I, I think I, especially us being coaches, I tend to analyze my errors. And so a lot of times my partners have realized that I play better when I'm a little, when I'm smiling, when I'm a little happy. So they'll kind of give me a little joke, something light, not, not specific onto what my error is about, but get, get me giggling, laughing a little bit. So it's a little bit more lighthearted and then it's back to work. But it took me a long time to figure that out. Do you, do the people you play with know that? Yes. Now I'm at the point where I've made people aware of that. You know, I think uh, the season that never happened, I was probably in one of my best parts partnerships as far as understanding with Christian Honer. Um, we knew what helped the other person and we were there to help help that other person as well. And uh, But that communication was very open with both of us. I think we had played with some people that we weren't pleased with in the past. So we went into it being like, hey, let's test out this partnership, but let's make sure that we're doing this, this, and this, help ourselves be comfortable. I like that. Yeah. For me, I mean, that, that pick me up is going to be again, like, Hey, they're trying to take something from us and you're the man. Those two sentiments, like you're the man, whatever just happened, that's not you, you got blocked. Yeah. But more often you get a kill. So statistically mm -hmm. you're about to get a kill right now, you know, letting you know that your bad is not the norm and that I still got your back and we're going to bust these people up for some people at night. Might not be that, Whenever it, that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're watching this right now and you're the, that avoids eye contact or throws your hands up in the air after somebody makes an error, I can go ahead and say that that 100% is not what that person wants. I don't mm -hmm. care who that person is. You know, I don't think that there's a person in the world that says, you know, when I hit the ball into the net, the first thing I want to see in order to get back on track is turn around and see my partner not believing in me. You know, like that's what, I, yeah, I, so just keep that in mind. We, we know we have a common goal, but at the same time, it's a common goal. It's not yeah. someone letting you down. And there were times where I thought I like hid that, you know, yeah. where I had that reaction. <laughs> I thought I couldn't control and I just like kind of did it, but then I immediately bounced back into something positive. Mm -hmm. But even that like little second of letting go of your control is going to be an issue for someone. Like you have to have that physical control, the, the visual control so that your partner still has that faith in you. So let them screw up, but don't throw your hands. If it's mm -hmm. something that you've talked about that they made this mental error and they're not doing what you talked about or that, that mental decision or strategical decision, yeah, you can lay into them a little bit. There's something totally okay with holding people accountable for what they've said and what you've agreed upon. Mm -hmm. right? But if you just start yelling at them for something that you never talked about, that's something that you talk about first. And then after you've right. decided that this is how you're going to do it, then you have to put that pressure on. I think there is room for pressure and that people have to feel it. But again, like you said, it's nice when they put pressure on you because they believe you can do it. When it's not coming from, this is your fault. It's like, yes. hey, we said we're going to do this, so do it. And that, funny enough, that kind of leads us into our next question, which is, what is the worst thing to do for you when you're in a slump, had a string of errors, or you're not feeling well or feeling confident? So for me specifically, I've already, I'd, I hadn't even looked ahead at the next question, but apparently that's something that is very strong with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's just the worst thing is for me to feel like you're questioning me. You know, I like we signed up for this tournament, so believe in it, believe in me. You know, we're already here. Like you send in question mark signals or have, I think kind of going back to what you were saying, 
saying. I think a lot of it just has to do with energy. I, I truly do believe that we can feel energy, whether it's positive or negative when you are around people. There's a reason that when you sit down with a stranger and the conversation feels easy, that's a very good energy that you're, you're saying, hey, I want this to last longer. So when you're playing and you're in a game and all of a sudden your partner's energy kind of goes away from being normal or positive to now where it's starting to feel a little negative or they're just questioning you, then that has an effect on you. And so I think uh, for me specifically, that that's like my biggest slump. If, if I feel that, then I'm, I'm unfortunately admitting for my own stance that, stance that I, uh, I'm on my way down. You know, it's hard to come out of that if I don't have my partner believing in me as well. Biggest turn off. So, okay. So we're still on, we'll start. We're still on, on the worst thing that you can do. Yeah. We kind of already covered it. Okay. We jumped ahead a little bit without asking the question. But you definitely have to know what you hate mm-hmm. so that you can avoid that. And people have to know turnoffs. If you're in a relationship and your partner doesn't brush their teeth, <laughs> might be a turnoff for you. Yeah. But maybe they be. like stinky breath. You don't know yeah. until you ask. But and it's and right now we're concentrating a lot on negative side of that, but yeah. that can also go the same way as positive. You know, we we've had a couple of uh, we had I remember one of our first camps that we did in Florida. Uh, I think it was last spring. We had a couple coaches out there, and one of our feedback was from one of the players was that our coach was overly positive. It was too positive. She felt like she was nice. yeah. It felt like the coach was coaching little kids you know and and, yeah (laughs) and so it's kind of interesting that i'm over here talking about how i need my partner to be positive i need them to be even keeled not show me negativity but some people are like like if you make an error mark and i'm like hey mark come on you got this you're the best volleyball player i know like you're just a good person (laughs) you know if i start saying all this stuff to just kind of boost your ego and you feel like that's fake too it can have the same kind of feeling yeah we definitely all take that take that differently you know, because mm-hmm. some people, like I said, they like keeping that positive environment. Some people feel worse because they think that creating too much positivity positivity is insincere. It's fake. Right. And then they feel like they can't trust you in that moment. There's a lot of different ways that people come, the places that people come from that is okay because it's where they came from and it's, it's who they are, but you just have to understand it to be able to work with it. Your biggest next question, again, guys, all of these questions, you can go through them. We're not going to have time to go through all of them, but they're very important questions that you can go through. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check it out, it's at betterbeach.com forward slash partner profile. It's a simple questionnaire that you can go through and um, you can give to your teammates and partners so that at least you get the start to some answers. And it is a project. It is being able to write down and think about and say all of these things, but it will pay off because all of a sudden, maybe you'll start discovering that you're actually not player X or you you don't play well when you're fired up. Mm -hmm. Maybe you play better just when you're calm and confident. Maybe it wasn't the fire that got it for you. Maybe it was just because you're fired up on a day that you happen to get nine hours of sleep for the first time. Very true. Um, Next question is, what is your biggest turn off? at a practice or a match. And I'll tell you right off the bat, it is seeing somebody not go 100% for a mm-hmm. ball, for a dive, or so it's either that for me, or seeing, or somebody saying, hey, that was a lazy play. I don't know why, but for me, lazy is a trigger word. And if you try to accuse me of being lazy, I will immediately hate you. I will hate the environment. <laughs> I will know that you are wrong 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just, I don't like when people say that. I never liked it when coaches said that. There's a coach at University of Delaware football um, who called me lazy because the first four laps, I didn't finish first. What he didn't realize, and I finished first on the, on the fifth lap, we didn't realize was I lapped the four people ahead of every time we did a lap, I passed one person in line. And he was like, why are you being so lazy for the first four if you could have finished first this time? I was like, I finished first every single time and you aren't watching. And I don't think I've still, I think I still haven't forgiven him. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> we need so, to send a, send a little handwritten letter. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so turn off is definitely seeing laziness or being accused of laziness. That's a, that's a surefire way. Trigger me in a bad way. Yeah, I would say mine comes down to commitment. You know, I, I know some people have, they have their days where maybe they're not feeling 100%, maybe their body's not feeling great. But as long as I can tell that you are committed to getting better yourself and getting our group better that's there that day, then I'll let a lot of things go. If I start questioning you, like you're kind of walking into drills, it looks like you don't want to be there. That's one of the things that I don't like. I have said a lot of times that it doesn't matter if I'm practicing with four people. If I feel like somebody doesn't want to be there, I will ask them, hey, do you want to go home? Here's your out. You can leave right now. And it's a it's a, it's a bold strategy. I, I think uh, that's something that I kind of, I do have a little bit of a quick fuse from time to time. Um, and that is one of the things that definitely gets me going. You know, I, I want people to be there. I want people to want to be there. Um, if there are times where I feel like I don't want to be there, I try to tell people. I'm like, hey, guys, sorry, I'm not feeling it today. I want to be here for you. Anything that you need me to do. But it's happened. It's happened. I remember last year when I was hurt. It, it, like it, it happens from time to time. But it's definitely one of my big turnoffs when I show up to practice or a match when I feel like the other people or other person doesn't want to be there. Next question. What is one positive thing that you know and promise you can always bring to your team? This is what you fall back on to do well when nothing else feels right. You know, it's something you have to hold yourself to. And it's something that your partner should be able to hold you to. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things are controllables, like going after every ball, positive speech, positive body language. Those are things that you can absolutely control and you have to pick controllables. So you can't pick something like pass well, because that's something that mm-hmm. everything's going wrong that you can't control. You can't say set well, whatever. You can have faith in that. You can have confidence in those skills. But this is one of those questions that you need to absolutely pick a controllable. So one positive thing, whether it's speech, whether it's staying at the same emotional level in terms of your verbal and in terms of your physical or in terms of your physical. Because some people aren't talkers, present with their body. So you can rely on me to be stable or you can rely on me to always bring energy. I would say that Casey Patterson is one of those guys that you can always rely on him to just bring energy Mm -hmm. nonstop. Taylor Crabb, quite different. You can rely on him to be the exact same stoic, calm, confident dude through the entire match. He'll give you a couple like more harder high fives. About it. <laughs> a stare down here and there. Yeah, and that's his like being fired up. Quite different than Casey's. Yeah, I think this might be one of the harder questions for someone to answer, especially when you take out skills. Because a lot of us, when we had to practice, all we're thinking about is getting better at a specific skill. Or, But I know two years ago, we were uh, the season, the training before the season that never happened. We'll just keep referring to it back to that. But I got invited by LT to train in his training groups here in Hermosa Beach, and they were phenomenal. They were fantastic. The, the, ma- the players that I was getting the opportunity to play with were amazing. And uh, at that point, I hadn't played volleyball 
ball in a long time. But LT was great. He kept telling me to come out to the beach and, and it didn't matter what my play was like. So one thing that I decided to focus on was, you know what, I, I just want to make sure that I'm maintaining a good energy and I'm trying to be as positive as I can when I can. And it was kind of cool because I saw, not only did I see my play rise pretty quickly because I was in this kind of good mood all the time, but I also realized that a lot of the other players, I could be completely wrong. Maybe I don't know how to read a room, but it seemed like a lot of the players started enjoying me being there a little bit more as well. You know, I wasn't this underskilled player because I was playing with a lot of guys that were in the top 10 of rankings of AVP and I, I wasn't that guy yet but these guys started to trust me they knew what I was going to be bringing and eventually I, I started fitting into these practices and competing to a point where it, I felt like I deserved to be there so I think that that was kind of my outlook and I've tried to carry that forward as well but it took me kind of being in an interesting situation with that practice squad. One thing that I just got reminded of uh as you're going through that was the biggest turnoffs that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. One thing that shocked me that I didn't realize, the three times that I asked groups of groups of women of what their biggest turnoff was, the number one thing that was written on those whiteboards was being mean to me or the other team. For guys, that did not come up in any way. You know, that wasn't a real thing, like being mean to me or being mean. You know, maybe it's it's a tough guy thing that like you don't you don't want to say like, hey, don't be mean to me. But I think that guys do have that kind of battle mentality, like yeah, we're gonna f them up. But it it was just interesting to know that if my partner being mean to the other team, you know, like defending us, that it'll turn me off. I, I thought that that was super interesting. I just remember that as we're going through these questions. Something that I would not have known or paid attention to in any way if I didn't ask large groups and have them all write out their answers. And so important to know. For sure. All right. We said one positive thing that you know and you could promise, and that has to be a controllable. Yeah. And I, tough. Uh, I was just going to read the next question. For what physical attribute or skill, be very specific, is your greatest strength? Okay, I need to make sure that you're specific about this. I think that this question has to be answered by other people. You should write down your own answer and then all you have to just go around to people and say, what do you think I do great? What do you think I do great? What do you think I like? What is the best part of my game? Get 10, 20 answers. It mm -hmm. might shock you that nobody sees what you see or that maybe they do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But you, we get this, yeah, I'm great at that. And I know I am because I've told myself that for so long, or I did this a certain way for so long and nobody says that I do it bad. But until people are actively coming out and telling you, dude, you are the best ex I've ever played with, you can be sure it's somewhere in the middle. And if you have that supreme confidence in something, you need to, to double check that with a, a group of people that you, you trust at least a little bit and have played with you and say, what do you think I did well? So this question, you can answer for yourself, but I'm not even going to count that as an answer because you need mm -hmm. to get at least 10 other people to answer it for you. I like that. It might have to be one a challenge that I set for myself because I don't think I've asked that many people that question. So mm. I'd have to do that this week myself, hopping mm, on the homework bandwagon. <laughs> so greatest skill or physical attribute, this should be answered by other people or your teammates or hand it to your coach and ask them what they think. And it might not be on the same pages as yours. Next question. What physical attribute or skill do you most want to improve right now? This is really important for partners to talk about. 
because Brandon, if I'm talking nonstop about your block moves and you're only concerned for the next two months with getting your hitting percentage up, I'm wasting my breath. You're mm -hmm. hearing commentary on stuff that you have no desire to hear commentary on. And now we're going to have friction because I'm helping you improve this, but I'm not realizing that you don't want any help improving. You're not, you don't care about it at all. So you have to have that conversation at a match and at a practice of say, Hey man, what's getting better today? What are you focusing mm -hmm. on? And if you can't answer that singularly, then there's a, a problem because it means that your practice isn't focused. Right. And this doesn't have to be your weakest point of your game every time you answer this. Like this, right. I think this is one of those questions that the answer probably could change every practice, every week, every month, whenever you're showing up, because it's what you plan on improving at that moment. Hopefully you're making these blocks for yourself. We have these practice plans where we go through two weeks of passing, two weeks of setting, two weeks of attacking, two weeks of defense. As we go through those practice plans, they have a strict focus. So for us, when the focuses are presented to you within the practice plan, then that helps a lot with, especially if you have a coach, with giving that feedback. I think a lot of times, if you don't have a reason for switching, don't switch. You know, you have, there's a reason that you're doing it. But also, if you show up to practice every single day and you don't have this idea of, oh, let's do these type of drills today so that I can get better at my focus, then you're doing practice backwards. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I know we've talked a lot on here about our practice plans. We do have them online at betteratbeach.com slash practice plans. Uh, we also have a free drill book. If you are that person that has never done an organized practice, I dare you take one month and do two guided practices a week and then come back to me, send me an email, let me know how much better you've gotten in that month. I can promise that you will see improvements. And I think it's one of the biggest things holding people back. So yeah, for all those people out there who struggle in their groups, in their neighborhoods, finding players who want to train instead of play. And I get these texts a lot. I just can't find anybody who wants to train, who wants to practice. Here's what you have to do to whatever group you are a part of, a Facebook group or a WhatsApp group or a meetup group. If there is not one in your neighborhood, you need to start one simple WhatsApp group. Just keep adding people one by one. But you need a separate group for all players and you need a separate group for players who want reps and training. And you can call it your reps group. But the next time you want to go out and practice and get better at something, don't say, hey, I'm going out to play volleyball. Who wants to play? You say, hey, I'm going out to do a three-person practice, or I'm going out to do reps with four person, for four people. No playing, just reps for one hour. That is the way to start framing that. And then you can start, you know, send out those messages. Who's interested in like rep sessions so that you don't have that temptation to play and you've said it ahead of time. But uh, if you don't have that Facebook group, if you don't have that uh, WhatsApp group or that meetup group or even a simple text group, start it and make sure that those are separate entities that I thought I had a missing finger, but I was holding on. To <laughs> Oh no! I was like, <laughs> oh, that was great. Your honest reaction. Oh man, that was phenomenal. Wow. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, start those groups and make sure you're specific with the titling and the purpose of the groups, and yeah. uh, it'll help you out. And now is a perfect time for you to do that too. Like I think it's February. Nobody is playing tournaments quite yet, unless you have indoor facilities that have been playing tournaments all year long. But most of us are preparing for the season. So the easiest way to say it is, hey, Mark, do you want to go out 
and get some training in this week. I'm not really ready to play because I don't feel comfortable about my passing and setting. Would you mind going out there with maybe one other person and just allow us to get our touch back before we start yeah. playing? That's a really easy way to say it. And everyone's like, oh yeah, cool. I kind of like that idea, you know? And then you bring I the practice plans. Yeah. And then you're kind of going through it. I, I just think people avoid that question and they just get there and like, well, what are we playing to? 15 or 21? <laughs> exactly. And if yeah. you need help, if you don't know what you're doing, uh, you just go to betterbeach.com forward slash practice plans. We have the videos all set up for you. We have two hour practice plans, 50, over 50 practice plans in there. Drills written, times written out, explanations of drills and videos of them so you can't get confused and you have a direction. So if you're interested in that, go to betterbeach.com forward slash practice plans. We have time for only two more on the partner profile. And if you okay. want to finish this up, if you want to wrap it up for yourself at home, go to betterbeach.com forward slash partner profile and you can answer all of the questions that we have there and it will be a very important exercise for you and your partner to do and most importantly for you to share the answers don't just do it learn mm -hmm. about yourself and then not give that information to the people that you play with but this should be a group or a team yeah. so the question that i do want to skip to this is where we get the trick questions. It's if you're in a high pressure situation, you're winning 15-14 in the third set of Manhattan Beach Open, and you have a swing to win the match. You're about to get your name on the pier. Close your eyes. What swing do you use to finish it? What swing do you swing for winning swing? I'm not telling you. Visualize. I'm not telling you. <laughs> but everybody should have this answer. The next yeah. question tricks them. Okay, this, this next question is a trap that we lay for people in this partner profile. If you're in a high pressure situation and you are losing 14-15 in the third set of the Manhattan Beach Open, so you get one swing and if you miss, the other team gets that championship. What swing do you go for? This is a trick question because that answer should be the same. You should have supreme confidence in one or two swings and know that that is your go-to. Know that it's what you're good at or best at, right? Of course, you don't want to go for it blindly, but you want to be able to set up your offense consistently so that it's more available for you, right? Whatever that swing is for you, that high pressure swing, it should be the same. It should be the one that you trust the most and it should be the one that you score on the most. This might be another situation where you ask people around you because our view of ourselves is quite often different from what other people see uh, and most people don't recognize it oh no i'm socially aware you might be <laughs> <laughs> but somebody else needs to compliment you time and time again and saying man you're so socially aware if you've never heard <laughs> somebody say that it's like when people all everybody says i'm a great driver right you are not like in NASCAR. I wouldn't put you in the category of great if I have ever met you, period. Wow. You're probably average. Yeah. Right? So th this is one of those things. We want to try to design your offense to take advantage of your best. And then, yeah, you're going to have a bailout. Don't just go for it no matter what. But if you feel like if it's even a little bit over, you hit your best shot so that you have a game plan. And then, of course, you can have a B where if it's completely closed and it's closed really early, then you go for this secondary shot. But mm -hmm. Most often, I think people go into offense thinking that the whole court is open, that they can short poke, they can waterfall, they can cut shot, they can jumbo, they can hard cross, they can middle cross, they can hard line, they can high line. And as soon as you have nine different decisions to make after you jump, you're going to freeze. So you should have an offensive 
game plan. And this is exact. Think about the NFL. Think about all of the quarterbacks who have these plays and they have you. This is your first option. If it's closed, then your check down series is this option. Then your third is this option, right? It's not just, hey, everybody run around and Tom will hit you at some point. He <laughs> Omaha, has a specific Omaha. sequence of things that he's looking at right. for openings. And he has, you know, a pretty binary code and more volleyball players should do this not go in thinking that the entire court my entire swing selection is open mm-hmm. but instead what's my best shot right now what's my best swing how do i set myself up so that that is more likely to be open and then um you can play from there so those two answers high pressure situation what swing do you go for that should be your offense and if you don't know what your best swing is and where you should be hitting from in order to open that up that's a big problem that's Shaq not knowing if he should be under the rim or waiting at the three-point line that's literally that's mm-hmm. what you're doing literally mer- metaphorically that's what you're doing i like it either way i think that's uh i like the the little nugget you gave everyone who's watching or listening about the fact that those should be the same, but I think a lot of people change those answers. All that means is you're uncertain. And I like the one of the last things that you said was you can help set the shot up for you to succeed. You know, I think that's it's a big thing that a lot of players don't think of as well. They think of everything as a pass set, and now they have to figure out what shot to hit. But there are ways for you to set up your favorite shot for whether it's your approach, whether it's where you're starting, whether it's what side of the court you're on, blah, blah, blah. But being able to set yourself up for your favorite shot and then still going through that check down list, I think, I think that's pretty valuable piece of advice yeah dude well thank you we don't have time for all the other questions on that partner profile but again guys go through this this is a free tool that we've made i want to hear your thoughts on it i want you to come back and comment and shoot me a dm shoot us an email at supportbetterbeach.com and say i think you should also include this i think you should make this a printout so that we can give it to our players because all of these are getting into a big giant little performance journal uh, that we are slowly piece by piece building and will be available later on for everybody to purchase. But for now, they're just free quizzes that you can use and learn more about your game and learn more about your partner's game too. So go ahead and explore it. Again, it is betterbeach.com forward slash partner profile. Throw it out. Let me know what you think. And the best way to do that is to go ahead and comment in volley chat get better at beach volleyball that's our facebook group it's got like 8300 members good flowing facebook group with lots of information so hope you guys enjoyed this little session on uh, the questions you need to answer before you step on the court and there's a lot more of them in that profile like describing perfectly describing in detail your perfect set you have to put exact numbers to that as well i think that is a crucial crucial exercise for everybody where do you want your set how high how far from the net etc so uh, this will lead you through it and uh, i hope you guys like it yeah i think some of these questions are going to be difficult for people to answer uh, but if, if it is difficult for you, that just means that it's the most important question that you need to have answered. Uh, so hopefully you guys use that tool. Sign on right now, betteratbeach.com, partner profile. And it'll help you understand yourself. And I guarantee you, once you start understanding yourself and your partner a little bit more, 
that will definitely translate on the court. Yeah. And if you're in a relationship or something, translate them from volleyball back to the relationship. Find out the worst <laughs> thing to say to your partner when she's mad. Find out the best thing to say to her when she's mad or him. <laughs> right. It'll help you there too. Trust right. me, it'll help you there too. A couple time for some questions? Yeah, I think we got a couple minutes. Maybe right. cut it down to five to eight. And for everybody else right. at home who's not staying around for Q&A, we'll see you on the sand. We'll see you on the sand. Q&A time. Let's fire it up. Okay. How would you define chemistry? What trait do you see in common from the best partners in the world? To me, chemistry would be understanding and leaving room to understand who your partner is and then giving them what they need and what they want. And if that mm -hmm. works both ways, then you have chemistry. But when you're consistently trying hard to change who your partner is and they're not on that same path, they're also not trying to become what you're trying to make them. You're gonna have a lot of friction. There will not be chemistry there. So I think it's when you're trying to move in the same direction, that direction is not just winning. It's not as simple as that. It can't just be everybody wants to win, of course they do. But it's saying, all right, what does my partner need? What does they want? And can I give it to them? And does that work in reverse as well? It's good. My high school players asked if we will allow them to pick their partners and frankly, I think they should, since I don't know the day-to-day -day personalities, connections they have. Does this make sense, or do you rec recommend coaches pairing up partners? What they do at the college level, I'd imagine coaches may pair them. I think you can go both ways with this. I think that there are some points within your season and practices where you as a coach should pair your players with partners that either you think complement each other well or just to, for an experiment. You know, I think especially if we're talking about high school, all these players are still in such a, a such a point in their volleyball life and life in general where they don't know anything about themselves <laughs> and any moment that you put them in where they have to kind of go through those struggles and the only person they can look to is themselves or their partners to kind of come out on the other end, then that's where a lot of growth happens. Obviously, whenever we're getting into competitive stages, if we're talking about high school and even into college, I, I think the coach is, is going to have the final word on who should be playing with who to make sure that that or that school or organization is competitive and winning because that's the coach's job in a nutshell. But I also think that players have the right to voice their opinions and let you know as a coach who they play better with and who they play, who they feel comfortable with. So I know that that's probably not the direct answer you were looking for, but I think that's about as best as I can say it. I think it's also valuable as the cauldron system of mm -hmm. when you keep statistics on that saying, look, all of you think that Sarah's the best player, right? But Rachel has scored the most points with everybody, you know? So, so Rachel becomes this versatile player who can succeed with everybody, even though Sarah's physical and bouncing balls. It's Karch Karai, a lot of people said that what made him great was his ability to make all of his partners great because he was able to be successful with so many people. And that is one definition of a great player. Can you continue to work with different people? Now, would Michael Jordan have been Michael Jordan 
without the rest of the bulls at that time. We don't know. You know mm-hmm. We just know that, that together they were a perfect unit. You know, but he, uh, he definitely didn't have the same success that he did when he didn't have that crew around him. He was still a great player, but he didn't have the same amount of success. So the people who can play with multiple people will be better over time. Um, but it might surprise you. And so keeping those statistics, if you're a college coach or a club coach, saying keeping those statistics and then measuring out those wins in KOB formats, that'll, that'll definitely show you some value. And it, and it will be a tool for you to give to your players and say, look, look at who made everyone better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, evidence is always going to help, especially if you're if you're in the high school world or middle school world and you're dealing with parents. The only thing that you can rely on is your is your statistics. If you start bringing your opinion into it, if you're the only per if you're the only person that watches practice, you don't take any results or any stats throughout practice. And then Sally's mom comes up and asks, "Why isn't Sally playing on the first team?" And you say, "Well, I think she's underperforming." compared to her other players that's where arguments happen but if you can say i have the statistics to show you at our practices this is where she ranks that's a really quick way to take any opinion out of it because that's when parents get a little voicey and for good reason you know if, if you don't have any evidence to back up your thoughts then parents deserve to be giving you a little lip all right. I was trying to see if we could get another one without it being, I love Mark to death, but I was hoping we could I'll see if we could share the wealth a little bit, but Mark, okay. you're in luck. Best practice plans ever, says Carl Weeman. So uh, I know Carl's been a, a part of our beach volleyball mastery program and he signed up for a few of our courses. He said he loves a practice plan. So that's good. Thank you, John Doe, for calling us the goats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> love confidence. Hey. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Richo Wilson uh, asked, when attacking, when should I be looking at the, oh, there you go. the other players and when should I be looking at the ball? Uh, a quick answer to that is on your step close. So when your arms go back, that's when you kind of, as you're taking off the ground from your jump, that's your final opportunity really to get a good clean look at the other side. You might want to look once at the start of your approach or right after your pass. That cues you into at least opening your peripherals. I think sometimes players pass and they start staring at the ball and their mind just stays on the ball from that point. Whereas if you have the rhythm of pass, survey the court, at least now every time your brain has at least started to say, I need my attention over on that side. And then when you go through your approach, you're finding the ball again quickly. And then as you're taking off or as you're in that step close, when your arms go back, it's good to have that one final clear look. And as you're taking off, then your eyes will probably peel more towards the ball so you can make that decision. But you should be making your decision upon takeoff. You know, I wouldn't really wait and hang in the air until somebody moves. Or if you do that, do it sparingly so that you're not delaying your shots and people don't see that you're slowing down and that they can delay swat or run threes and fours on you but uh, that's when you should be looking when your arms go back just as you're taking off that's your final opportunity to, to really look and again the more you can stretch your peripherals and open your eyes up instead of just staring at the players and then just staring at the balls it's going to be better for you because then you won't lose sight of either one 100 percent. all right i think that's all we got no more questions that was a fun one. Once again, if you guys are still sticking around and you haven't gotten on to take your own partner profile uh, quiz, definitely do that. It, I think it will surprise you with the answers that you find about yourself and the person that you're playing with. It's more valuable than you know. I really like that episode. And guys, if you want to join us, as always, if you want to join us for a full year of coaching, uh, we meet twice a week. 
You get access to every one of our courses and we critique your video from either your at-home drills, your on-court drills, or your practices, and we tell you which drills to do. So if you want to sign up for that, you are more than welcome. That's at betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching. That page should answer all of your questions. Betteratbeach.com forward slash coaching. We have clinics going around the country and we are filling our calendar. So if you have a facility, a beach, and you know that you can get at least 12 people to commit for a full day, go to betteratbeach.com forward slash clinics and fill out that form and let's get started sending us, our coaches, to you to run a really level training session uh some saturday soon all right all right brandon i'll see you on the sand see you on the sand bud bye guys bye bye